Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. to the Leighton Stone Must Film 2021 podcast series. My name is Stuart Wright and regular listeners will know I've been the host of Britflix podcast since 2013. For new listeners who came in for the Leighton Stone Must Film 2021 content, I've been a resident of Leighton for over 20 years and I'm proud to be part of a film festival happening right on my doorstep in East London, UK. Leighton Stone Must Film 2021 is a free four-day film festival and really has something for everyone of all ages who can make it to the birthplace of one of cinema's greats, Alfred Hitchcock. It runs from Wednesday 15th September to Sunday 19th September in outdoor and indoor venues along the Leightonstone High Road and across town. There'll be open-air film screenings in Langthorne Park and indoor events in Leightonstone Library, St John's Church, Phillybrook, Heathcote and Star, Nexus Centre, online and more. As well as films, There'll be talks, installations, trails, and workshops. The Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 podcast series will be 10 podcasts in total. Nine are released on Friday, 3rd of September. Each of those podcasts feature three or four preview interviews with the filmmakers and or film organisations taking part in the four-day event. A 10th podcast will be released late September and we'll look back on highlights from Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021. The show notes include the names of the guests and organisations featured in this episode, links to the main Leightonstone Loves Film 2021 website, as well as links to specific parts of the programme that feature in this episode. That includes the what, the where and the when. It just needs me to say, on with the interviews and enjoy this episode of the Leightonstone Loves Film 2021 podcast series. Who are you and who or what do you represent? Uh, so I'm uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Lee. Um, I'm a 19-year-old uh, storyteller and filmmaker based in London, uh, Waltham Forest, London. Um, and I represent um, Big Tent Films, who are a youth filmmaking uh, group or collective or production company. It's it's very loose. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a uh, it's not a formal company by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it is it is like a collective we um we want to, we seek to encourage uh young people out there uh to just make films just to just to uh you know take that first step take that leap um and show that it, it is possible with, without needing huge budgets or um or a, or a studio uh or working with studios or mm-hmm. working with you know any established institutions you can just do it independently um, and work, work, work your way up. 
yourself. Brilliant. So, so whereabouts in Waltham Forest is a big tent film sort of based or loosely based? So it's it's loose because I, I uh, big tent films is headed by me and Ethan, um, and I'm in Chingford, whereas he's in Enfield. So it's just sort of the general North London area is where we mostly went and, and film. Um, and yeah, and, and the way it works is we usually alternate in um, in writing and directing. So he, so it, it would be he would uh, write and direct a passion project, and I and we both produce. Uh, each other's so he, he would work, write and direct one and then i'd write and direct one and usually we shoot it in our in our respective areas mm-hmm. uh, as well but yeah we both produce and we bring on um people from our school or people who who we meet online and who reach out to us saying you know uh, i'm 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 looking to get get into the film industry but um i i have nowhere to nowhere to start can i can i just join your set one day and we yeah we would try and bring bring people on as much as we can um, and what's the best yeah. way for people to contact you if they if they were if they were get that itchy feeling that they want to start making films? Yeah, so it would be our email bigtentfilms at gmail dot com mm-hmm. or uh, even better our, our Instagram just um, just at bigtentfilms uh, and just yeah just shoot us a message um, and have a conversation. Is this your first Leighton Stone Loves film? Yeah, I mean for the first one that we are we're holding uh, uh, an event for. Um, we we went to we attended uh, a couple of events at the Leighton Sonos film in 2019 um, uh, because we knew uh, Anthony and Sarah from um, Forest Film Club beforehand. Uh, but yeah, no, this is very ex- quite exciting. So so what so in that sense then, what does what does Leighton Stone Loves Film mean to you? Well, it means um, having a film scene in the community uh, and, and nearby um, and. Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, I, I I lived in Stoke Newington for most of my life uh, growing up, uh, but we moved to Waltham Forest just a few years ago. It was it was in Walthamstow and Waltham Forest that I found a community. I found I found a home, um, and so it is it is lovely to be be able to uh, engage in the culture here, uh, to be able to see that there there is so much culture going on, um, and. And yeah, just get involved, get involved with people, and meet meet people uh, with shared passions. So, what are Big Temp Films going to be contributing to Leighton Stoneloves Film this year? So, we're we're holding a discussion, a uh, kind of talk, a discussion um, on um, I think it's called Beyond First Films, uh, filmmaking, art, and expression. Okay. So we want to. So we, we we see a lot of uh, talks about making your first film or making a your first no budget film. Um, and we want to aim to talk about like, once you've made your first film, where do you go from there? How do you develop your voice as an artist? How do you um, create uh, work that is truly expressive of who you are and what you believe in? And I guess just talk talk about it from more of a rather than a technical side, rather than a, uh, or, or a business side of things. Just talk about the softer side of, of uh, the emotional. Um, the emotion, the emotion that you put in, into into your films, and how you can um, take your lived experiences and transfer that into stories that can really connect with people. Okay, that's interesting. So, who, so is it you and Ethan gonna gonna sort of chair a discussion and it be open to the audience, or is it a yes, yeah, oh, okay, yes, okay. so mainly it'll be me and Ethan chairing a discussion. Uh, I think we might bring on. A couple people who worked with in the past, and um, because I think uh, we will talk say as well about how how to develop a workflow, uh, an independent, fully independent workflow, mm. uh, and 
and process um, and regular collaborators. While, while I've got you then on the podcast, what would be your top two tips that people should always have in mind when they're uh, embarking on a film? Okay, I guess my top one would be use what you have um, and be inspired by what you have because uh, I think all of my films have inspired by something that usually usually by a location, mm-hmm. a location that I have access to already, a location that maybe is slightly out of the way, uh, but is really interesting or, or just a piece of clothing that you found in your mom's closet mm. or, or a really interesting prop or, or something that can that you can you see and you think you can elevate that and, and bring bring that into a story mm. uh, and and that in that way you, you don't need to worry about building huge sets or, or building purpose-built costumes and props because you've already got it uh, so be inspired by the things around you uh, and so you're able to use them um, so that'd be my first one my second one would be don't neglect sound um, I think ever, ever, yeah, a lot of people say that, but yeah, it's so sound is so important. It's like eighty percent of the image almost, and people can tolerate a bad image, but if it, if the sound is bad, then um, you'd be hard getting people. To, it'd be hard getting people to sit through that. It's really interesting, isn't it? How pe- how we watch with our eyes, and it sounds like an oxymoron to even say it, but but it's true, isn't it? We it fills in the whole picture. It's interesting what you say about use what you have. Um, I did a, I did a short film that we shot on, um, what's it called? Hollow Pond, uh, just outside Leightonstone. Hollow Ponds, yes, yeah. Now, we did it a few years ago. They've been a, it was, it was a, it was a plan B to shoot there because originally we were going to shoot on a beach, which meant taking everyone to the seaside. And I said to the director, as the producer, I said, well, maybe we should take a look at this. We've got the, the water's edge, which is essentially the main part of the focus. And when we get there, I mean, sadly, there'd been a fire. So that all these trees were burnt and the ground was all like grey ash. And it looked like something off the set of Prometheus, not not in wow. not in Epping Forest. And I'm and we're like, we've got that. <laughs> and suddenly we were, we, we kind of rethought our thinking. And yeah, yeah, we shot it there. And it's like this amazing, and there's an amazing long shot where you've got dust kicking up. You've got dust kicking up from the floor, and it's so. You just couldn't have you couldn't have produced that yourself for any for any reasonable budget. No, 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 not, not unless you got a, a hefty budget to excel uh, that. But yeah, no, I think I think some of the sometimes the things that pop up and go wrong during the production are our blessings in disguises. Because um, I think, uh, well, for example, one of the the film I just shot, we had a scene on Chingford Plains. And all, all the way on the train uh, to, to Chingford, I was telling everyone, you know, this is a huge, expansive plain land that's all barren uh, and empty. And then once we step out of the station, we see a huge bouncy slide just coming out of the horizon. And a pop-up, a pop-up fun fair has been erected all over the plains. Uh, so then we had to go even further in and, and found another um, spot of land that wasn't flat, actually, that, that was actually really... Uh, kind of bumpy, hilly, overgrown, and that worked so much better for the film. Mm. Uh, it looked really wild and and out 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 there rather than uh, just a plain, clean, neat field. I tell you what, that happens to the best of them. I had someone on my podcast talking yeah. about going to shoot a film in the Dominican Republic, and they'd seen all the location mm. photographs of these idyllic white sands, and everyone was like, "Yeah, oh, we've got so much time, we can have a bit of a holiday, <laughs> shoot the movie." Yeah. When they arrived at their paradise. A freak of nature had landed six foot high piles of seaweed on this perfectly white beach. So it was no longer a white beach. Oh my God. So the the week they thought they were going to be relaxing and just prepping a bit of kit, 
everyone yeah. had to get knee deep in seaweed to get it off the beach so they could do the shoot. Oh my god! So happens to the best of them. Outside of the work that Big Tent Films are going to be doing at Leightonstone Lords Film, what aspect or event are you looking forward to the most? I guess I am just looking forward to it being in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Forest Film Club are coming back again. Um, that's um, I, I, we've certainly missed that uh, experience of just being able to watch films and talk film in a in a room with people, yeah, uh, and be able to bounce ideas off each other and. And you just be able to mingle again, mingle with people. Uh, oh, what's been out of interest? As a, I mean, I've been doing a few interviews about research into COVID and film and film production and stuff. But also, a lot of it comes down to personal well-being as much as it does about the want or the the need to make or watch films. So, what's been some of your best coping tactics as a as a young person? Uh, I, I actually sort of made, made a film about it towards the beginning of lockdown that um that's been doing really well in festivals uh it's called music for the end of the world okay and it's about this teenager who um i mean i, I made it as, as a sort of anti-lockdown film almost because I, around that time you were seeing lots of really dark and serious and dramatic shorts come out about covid and mm. you know that's we're living in that we, we want to we want something a bit more escapist uh and uh and so music for the end of the world is about this teenager who uh, decides to dance on the top of a gorgeous sunny hill while the world crumbles around him. Uh, so I'd say music. Music has been a really great coping mechanism. Just be able to put headphones on and just lose myself in uh, whatever, whatever whatever I'm listening to and and nature as well. Uh, you know, I'm not going into the city, so I I just I can just go into the forest or or climb a hill somewhere uh, and just be alone with my, with the thoughts. Really, you you talked about you know mixing with people and stuff, but what what is it? What is it about film and watching it with other people? The shared experience of that, you know, essentially sitting in the dark sometimes with strangers. Yeah, what is it yeah. about that experience that that is some, that is sometimes so satisfying? Well, it's, it's like with any kind of art form, especially especially one of an audience, is just it's be able to um, be able to sit in a room with strangers and mm. experience the same, go through the same journey together, uh, and. You know, laughing with them, crying with them. Um, there's a great sense of unity there, and and being able to uh, connect with people that were strangers. Mm. You know, we're being able to um, share an experience with people who you've never met before, who you may never never meet again. Um, but just for that mo- one moment, for that, for those two hours in the dark, you you're you're dreaming together. After uh, Lane's Donald Son, what next for uh, Big Tent Films? Have you got any any productions planned? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got we got some we got some uh, shorts planned for this year for for the summer, hopefully. Um, and I think uh, for me and Ethan, we're, we're both just trying out something different. We're both doing micro shorts that are uh, horror, horror themed, mm-hmm. more or less. Um, and usually, usually we do kind of uh, comedies, dramas. Um, all the uh, more fast-paced th- things, but some were trying to go really dark and uh, gloomy, just to just to ch- change things up a bit. Um, but yeah, I think beyond beyond that, we, we're just going to see 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 what comes. Really, just take it as it comes. The inspiration. Brilliant. Well, look, it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast. Well, thank you very much, Stuart. You are listening to the Leighton Stone Loves Film podcast series. Leighton Stone Loves Film returns for a third year from the 15th to the 19th of September 2021. 
Across four days, Leightonstone in East London will be host to a variety of free events brought to you by local filmmakers and film organisations. Let's get back to the interviews. Who are you and who or what do you represent? My name is Georgia Bansaw. I'm an artist and a producer and I'm based in Wolverhampton. Um, my parents came here in the 1960s and um, been here ever since. And uh, I started off with a with a degree in computer science and then decided that computer science wasn't for me. Then did some volunteering at a radio station and decided that the creative industry was where I wanted to be. And over the years, I've done various different jobs and found myself now making my own art installations and films and going into gallery spaces. And I suppose using all of the experience that I've had over the years um, of either working at the BBC or working in theatre companies and combining the lot to make immersive experiences, but quite a lot of the time I use film to be able to get that story to travel further. And film is really interesting to me because I grew up in my parents' 1980s video shop, which was uh, rented out Bollywood films to the Asian communities because at that time you know, there wasn't Sky, there wasn't cable, there wasn't, there was hard, I mean, there was hardly anyone South Asian on television and there definitely wasn't the content there. So the video shops were really the only way for Asian families to access you know, their own entertainment um, in foreign lands. And so, uh, uh, so yes, yeah, so my family was a part of that journey and it was called Bump Electrical. And the, the project that I brought to Leighton Stone Loves Film Festival in the first year was called Jambo Cinema. And that was a recreation of my Kenyan Indian living room. And it had a video, uh, a, a vintage television set and the film that I made about me and my journey in this world and my parents' video shop and, uh, you know, what what the entertainment, what entertainment was like for immigrant Asian communities during the 70s and 80s. That was that was recreated in um, Leighton Stanhope's Film Festival in 2019. It's really interesting, actually, because people would come in and, and, and it had recreated the space in the library yeah. Um, in the octagon room. And people would come in and they were like, oh, my God, do you live here? It actually <laughs> looked like a house. It looked like a living room. I was like, no, I'm just here for the day. It set this up yesterday. And so, yeah. I think those kind of, I mean, I've been to, uh, I went to, weirdly, I went to a, a museum in Trondheim up in Norway, which used the idea of living room through the decades as a way of bringing you into a time period and a, in terms of pop music, but so it was just like the, and it's just interesting how it works by you creating the context of when this music was being made. And obviously you reflected on your life. So it's like, it's sort of a, it's more biographical than that, but, but just that idea of walking into a space and it being showing the history as well as being, you're listening to whatever is from that period was a really effective tool. Mm, absolutely. It's just, you know, multi-sensory and it, and it, I think the re- the reason why that project I, I liked it so much and and like people resonated with it as well is because it really um, it really enabled you to go into a different world in a different time and mm. and also ask questions and be curious and I think that that's what one of the things I like to do with my work I like to open up dialogue and I like people to get curious um, because I think right now. 
we're living in a world where sometimes people feel like, oh, can I ask this question? Is someone going to be offended or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think that's what art's about. It's about opening up the doors to curiosity and saying, ask a question. This is meant to spark discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, It's nothing if it's not a dialogue, is it? Exactly, exactly. So what does um, what does Leighton Stone Love Film mean to you? I think it's a really interesting... Well, I didn't realise this at the time, but, you know, the, the I think it's a really important festival given its connection to Hitchcock mm. and being a, a place where he was born and raised and um, obviously that's a name that's known around the world. Mm. His films are known around the world. Um uh, and I just think it's just a really nice, interesting festival that really brings a lot of diversity, different stories and communities together through a love of film and connecting. And, and like we're talking about now, it, it, it brings out the possibility for being entertained, but having discussions. Like, did you see that? Did you see that? What did you think about this? And that kind of thing. And that's what I love about creativity generally is mm. that, you know, the, the discussions that can be elicited from uh, watching something that we, we we have different perspectives and we bring different perspectives to and gain something different from. Yeah, I remember when I, I when I first started um, writing about artists when I was still living in Manchester, and I remember going to an event, and it was in someone's house. They basically changed that. They painted the walls of the house white and they'd made their house a gallery. And I just and I, and I turned to the the artist who put the event and I said so. Are you saying then it's basically an art preview is just like a house party? He says, well, essentially, yeah, because if we didn't put the work on, then nobody would would have come. So the happening Mm -hmm. itself is an extension of what we do. We can't control that. And that's what what the fun part of it is. You know, you hope you're going to have some sort of reaction that's to the benefit of more than than not. But essentially by doing something, you're a catalyst for something else that you don't necessarily write the rules for you just set the ball rolling as it were that's great that's great they took over the house so that's fantastic well, it's, well you see the thing is when when you think about it it's just it's just a very practical thing because if you haven't got access to a gallery space but you want to put on an art show you just make it happen yeah i think that's what i really admire about artists they just make they want to make it happen and they find a way indeed mm. so in terms of of making it happen what are you going to be contributing to late stoner's film this year uh, well, this year it's going to be uh, Asian Women and Cars, The Road to Independence, which is a film, a short film that I made, which is really looking at um, the stories of the first generation of South Asian women who are now in their 60s, 70s and 80s, yeah. um, talking about driving. Um, because at one point in history, particularly in the Asian community, where, there, where it was you know, a patriarchal family structure, there was not the encouragement to drive because driving is actually a really powerful thing. And, you know, it's only just become legalised in Saudi Arabia for women to drive. So it's a really powerful thing. And I ended up talking to an aunt about her story about driving and she told me about what it did for her and how it enabled her to have all this freedom and be able to work different jobs and everything else. And I just thought, actually, there's probably a story here. And then I started to explore it a bit more and the story of actually... um, it wasn't encouraged and actually working wasn't encouraged and a lot of things, you know, were difficult for Asian women of the first generation that came to the UK. And yeah, so we made a short film with these ladies and we're going to be doing a uh, 
a discussion about it as well. So we're going to be doing a panel discussion, mm. but also now involving some younger women to look at the intergenerational aspect of it. So, okay, so we've got these older women who paved the way and now we've got younger women talking about different things and, and creating change in different ways. Um, one of the really interesting stories that I found actually since doing the project um, has been finding this Pakistani young woman who mm. is one of the only women, South Asian women, who's a rally driver. Oh, and wow. She's, com- she's been competing in all sorts of different competitions across the world and she's won lots of awards. She's really young as well. She's about 25 and she's amazing. And that's that's something that her father encouraged her to do, which I think is really interesting. And then we've got women who have done rallies across India and this, this lady has raised money um, and donated the proceeds to young girls in India in rural places where they can't have access to menstrual product products. So it means they don't go to school because wow. of the very basic thing of being pulled out of education because of your body changing. So they and, and they did a rally across India raising that money. So I think it's really amazing looking at, okay, well, we've got this generation of older women and now they've done something for the younger generation. The younger generation have taken that forward and they're doing something completely different. So it's all about social good and social change. And this film is kind of exploring my discovery of their stories. What you've what you've kind of uncovered there is a is a tremendous symbolism in the car through what you like you say, you started off, you perceived to be women weren't encouraged to drive. So they so when they came to Britain, they did learn to drive and that gave them a freedom. So they can talk about that sort of growing as a person, so to speak. But then that continues, doesn't it, through generations. And and like you say, it comes full circle where you've got a father encouraging a daughter to be a rally driver. I mean, you couldn't get more kind of opposite to the idea that women don't drive. Exactly, exactly. And, and rally driving is really dangerous as well. So, you know, I was like, good on your father for doing that and allowing you to just pursue your dreams. And so that, and that, and that's what life's about, isn't it? You know, we've all got dreams we want to follow. So that's that's the project I'm bringing this year. And um, and I'm hoping to to now do a bit of a relaunch on it so that we can get, you know, build some sort of social media campaign or some sort of project that's bigger than that story. Mm-hmm. because. One of the things that was super interesting to me was when I made that film um, and it was screened, um, I had um, I had a, a Polish guy come up to me and he was like, this is my, this is the story in my family. Or he was, uh, and then there was somebody else, an English gentleman, and he came up to me and he was just saying, do you know that in the 1950s, uh, this is kind of like, uh, well, well, I can sort of relate to this because my mother started working but she couldn't get a bank account until she got the permission from a male in the family or her husband yeah, to yeah, sign yeah. a document to say she could have a bank account so he was like this is actually really good food for thought about how far we've come and how far things have changed um but see that's what's interesting to me that opened up a discussion about something that I didn't know about so and this is what you know the art when you sort of tackle something which um, brings something to the light, to the surface, and we can all sort of talk about what our similarities are instead of the differences. There's nothing better than that kind of feeling of your work provoking provoking somebody to contemplate how that reflects their life, even though they're not an 80-year-old woman from it, who came from India in the, in mm. the 60s, and go, 
I can see the similarities in my life in your life. And that was never obviously your intention, but but it may have been a hope or aspiration, but you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't expect it. And then to have it, have that be a conversation that comes out of your work is a wonderful outcome, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a simple thing as well. And I think a lot of people take driving for granted. And of course, you know, there's the other side of it, which is, you know, pollution and everything else that we've got with cars. But actually for women, it's quite important. Um, and in this film, I also explore about what happens when you be, when you get older. Mm, okay. And why is it important to, to drive when you become older? Because what happened with this generation of Asian women was that, that they really dedicated their lives to the family and then when children fly the nest and, and leave and they just left on their own, they're kind of isolated and disconnected. And so driving for them meant that they could stay connected with, you know, some of these community groups and places like that. Or, you know, if they've got friends and family who live further afield, it, they're not reliant on other people. So it means that you've maintained that independence, hence the title Road to Independence in the uh, Asian Women and Cars. What aspects or specific events are you looking forward to at Leightonstone Love's film this year? Well, I think it's a really interesting time that the festival's taking place because we're just coming out of lockdown. Um, mm. And I think, actually, people need to see other people. People need to connect. And I think this is what the festival's going to do. So I'm really excited about getting people together, um, seeing... You know, there's nothing like going to watch a film with it, with that communal experience around you when you sort of all laugh at the same thing or you mm. all gasp at the same thing. And I think I'm just really excited to be in that environment again of happiness and festivity. You know, that, that kind of festival vibe of, of getting people together. And yeah, so that, that's what I'm really interested in. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been shielding with my mum throughout this period and it's been very, very lonely. It's very been very isolating and so... It's brilliant to be getting back out there and seeing my work out there and having people engage with it uh, and seeing and seeing other people's work as well. Thinking about, obviously, you're showing your film, but obviously thinking of yourself as someone that watches films, what is it about film as a shared experience that, that makes it work so well? When I was growing up, Sundays was more or less the family day. And that meant extended family coming over here to our house or was going there. And film was a central part of that. And, you know, it, it might it might have been that at points we were all concentrating and watching it and there were other points where people were talking and having conversations and that kind of thing. And I think that's that's what's really important about that shared experience. But, you know, I explored this in my Jambo Cinema project whereby I was talking about, you know, that was a moment in time in history where we actually sat down together. There weren't, you know iPads and phones and all that kind of stuff and it was Sunday trading which meant that you had to switch off to some degree yeah 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 I remember it I remember and I do and I still think that's really important actually in society that we remember that we don't have to be switched on all the time that and that means mentally and, and technologically you know we, we can switch off and we can have downtime um, but I think for me, that communal experience is that connection, is that connection between us. And it's not about all of us being in different rooms in the same house. It's about watching the same thing and reconnecting. Actually, a, a good example of that for me, anyway, mm. is Gogglebox. Right. 
you're only watching Gogglebox and they're all watching the same thing and they're all in their own homes, but they're, they're, they're reacting to the same thing. It's a bit like that for me. And I, and I think that's fabulous. I love it. I mean, I remember going to the video shop, even when I was a student, and there was this sort of like, this conference in the middle of the video shop. Okay, what are we going to get? Who, who, what's it? What are you in the mood for today? Okay, I want to watch this. Well, I don't want to watch that. And why don't we try this? And sometimes you were forced to watch something that was not your cup of tea, but it meant that you were taken outside your comfort zone a little bit. So I think uh, for me, those communal experiences mean a sense of community and connection. Outside of the festival, how can people find you if they're listening to this and maybe they're from outside of Wolfen's or even outside of Britain? I'm on all the social networks under my name, Joinda Bansal, so mm-hmm. that Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and I've got a website as well, so joindabansal.com, so people can find me there as well. Brilliant. Well, look, well, I'll put a link in the show notes. People can click on that, no trouble. It just gives me to say thank you very much for giving your time on the Britflix podcast. Thank you very much, Stuart. You are listening to the Leighton Stone Loves Film podcast series. Leighton Stone Loves Film returns for a third year from the 15th to the 19th of September 2021. Across four days, Leighton Stone in East London will be host to a variety of free events brought to you by local filmmakers and film organisations. Let's get back to the interviews. Who are you and who or what do you represent? So um, I'm Vera and I'm Natalia and we run Last Frame Film Club, which um, is a film club that started in Walthamstow back in 2017 um, with the help of Waltham Forest Council mm-hmm. with some arts funding from them. And we um, started uh, show, showing mostly social documentaries because mm-hmm. um, because that's that was our background, documentary cinema. Um, we were showcasing um, films in local venues, mostly Centre 17, in Walthamstow near the High Street. Know it well. And a couple of other mm-hmm. yeah, and a couple of other venues. We did a screening in Pillars Brewery. That was that was really cool. Um and so yeah, we just wanted to showcase cinema that was harder to find, that we felt very passionate about, mm-hmm. and um and make that affordable for local people to come along, um, make them feel comfortable. So anyone from any background, any age could could come and find something that would suit them. And um, yeah, that was, that was our aim really. And yeah, we also run uh, workshops like filmmaking workshops, uh, mailing sound production. I also help kind of like local um, filmmakers that are starting mm. to kind of like get a better grasp of um, yeah, filmmaking and industry professionals came to to like uh, deliver those workshops um, in production, sound and, and documentary filmmaking as well. What documentaries have you shown that you've been particularly proud of getting hold of? I think the first one, our official opening screening was Five Broken Cameras. Okay, I don't know. Was, um, so a Palestinian documentary, mm-hmm. which was packed. We sold out that one, actually. Um, Fantastic. A lot of interest in that film. We um, we had uh, food as well. We had uh, Palestinian food from Mini Heba up in Wood Street. Um, so that was our first one. We we showed um, some films that we discovered ourselves at film festivals we'd been to. One called uh, Land of the Free, which was a 
a really great documentary about a man who'd been within the American prison system for 20 plus years and and then had been released. So him adapting to life back out in in the real world. Um, What else did we screen? Um, We've screened a lot of like uh, women-focused documentaries as well and women-directed documentaries. Um, We screened Step as well, which was about like a dance group um, also in America. Okay. for girls that was really good um and yeah we just like screen also short documentaries we also run a short documentary festival called cheat cuts so we also screen shorts um that we had screened before and we created like new programs with them as well because short documentary has become really popular as well in, in like you know recent years and yeah and i guess now with um kind of focused as well on like another one of our interests which is like queer filmmaking and I guess it's kind of like developed into and now we're focusing more on on, on screening stories like queer stories LGBTQ plus stories um and also like underrepresented communities within this community anyway um and I guess that's that's what we're going to be doing with Leighton Stone Loves Film this year. What does Leighton Stone Loves Film mean to you? I think what really appealed about Leighton Stone Loves Film to us is that they had a similar ethos as as we did when we started Last Frame, which was bringing cinema to the local community, especially a community that um, is is you know we have in Leytonstone and East London. There's a r- really rich film history, but we're kind of lacking the venues to to watch those films. So we do have the Empire Cinema now, obviously in Walthamstow, but there's not a great deal of of local cinemas or places to watch film. So I think that's what really appealed about it to us is that it brought cinema back to back to us rather than us having to go out to other parts of London. It's all free, which is obviously amazing. Cinema's getting more and more expensive as the years go on. You know, it's 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 really out of reach, I think, financially for a lot of working families to be able to go to the cinema regularly. So making it accessible, both physically and, and financially, all of the venues this year being used are accessible which is great so that's something we always wanted to do with last frame um you know center 17 is an entirely accessible venue so it means that everybody can come along and yeah it's just really varied I, I i think what we really appreciate is that they've asked you know local creatives and local people to come on board rather than they have come in and said this is what we're going to screen they've said what do you want to screen? what can you bring so it's really it's a really diverse program, and and it's um, yeah it's just really appealed to us. They've been really great as well with allowing us to focus on what we love screening. Yeah, I think mainly for me that that Leighton's the Love Film has provided a platform not only for you know like for the community to come and watch films, but also for the local creatives to kind of like explore other things, like try new programs and kind of like come together as well. I think we've built quite a like community of like film programmers and filmmakers and things like that. And I think that's great that, that it has been able to create that community of, of local creatives where we can all get involved and we can all just collaborate with each other and, and have the freedom as well to program what we want to program. What will you be contributing to Lane Stone Loves Film? So this year we have two events. Um, we are hosting on the Saturday evening in the library, we are running our Queer Film Fest. Mm-hmm. So we will have 90-minute slots, more or less, 
where we'll be screening um, a programme of short queer films from around the world. We're, you know, we're open for submissions still at the moment and um, the programme's starting to take shape and it's really exciting. We've got some amazing short films. So we'll be screening those on, on Saturday and there will be a prize for the winning film. There's, um, there's a £500 prize for the winning film, which is we're really pleased with. It's nice and generous. And on the Sunday afternoon, we are screening a double bill horror at the Philly Brook, obviously also in Leytonstone. And um, we're taking the kind of afternoon slot to, um, ref- well, to reflect the queer tea dance Sunday afternoon meetings, which, you know, for a long, long time for a lot of queer people, was uh, kind of like a safety a safety haven on on the weekend. You could meet with other queer people and and listen to music or dance and be together and kind of just in your your last moment of you know being yourself before going back to the real world during the week. We're working with Radiant Circus to to bring that, and we're screening two horror films, two full feature length horror films. We're very excited. <laughs> We uh, all three of us really love horror, so it's really it's really fun to be able to do it. Yeah, we're screening The Hunger and we're screening uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at night. It's an Iranian uh, vampire film, so they're both vampire films, and it's called Back Me. Outside of your own contribution, what aspects of specific event are you looking forward to at Langston Love's film? Well, I think uh, we're all looking forward to like going back into like watching films together, community, like kind of like the film festival. Mm. vibe and just be together and share experiences like that's a person we're all looking forward to i guess um i'm always like we we also admire what new lab from uh, women over 50 do and we've been uh, collaborating with her as well uh, for a long time so we're always excited to see what she's gonna uh, put together for the festival and there's also a lot of new people that have joined the project that we've now worked with uh, them in the past so we're just also looking forward to see what they bring to the festival. Yeah, obviously, we're also really excited about um, what Radiant Circus are going to be doing because, um, you know, they're, they're friends of ours and we've worked with them quite a lot over the last few years. So we have our event with with um, Richard from Radiant Circus and he's also hosting another event for, for Leighton Stone Love's film, which we're really looking forward to. But I think, yeah, like you said, it's just about being back together and catching up with people and seeing what what people are putting on and I think there's lots of new venues this year as well which we're also looking forward to seeing I think the plan for us is to just go along for the whole the whole thing and try and attend what we can what is it about film that makes it so much better and, and this is my opinion but you may you may agree or disagree as a shared experience um I I think cinema and theatre was always supposed to be a shared experience and we actually um, did a did a talk with um, We Are Parable and Radiant Circus a few months ago now, where we were discussing uh, we're discussing exactly this topic. You know why why has cinema become something that we now think of or that has to be a silent event when you know you, you're on your own and nobody makes any noise and it's very cold and very serious and and we all agreed that the best part of watching films is having a shared experience and seeing people's reactions and hearing people's reactions and having people to talk 
to about the film. I just think that's really important. I think, you know, when you watch a film that you really love, the first thing you do when you finish watching it is tell someone. You know, you tell someone to go and watch it or you then watch it with them and then, you you know, you keep looking at them to see how they're reacting to this to this film. I think it just changes the experience of watching a film entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess from, from a programmer's uh, point of view, our festivals have always had a lot of interaction with the audience and I think that's something we've really enjoyed, that people are clapping at the film, so people are, like, you know, like just laughing at the film and I think that kind of shared experience as well as a programmer and like knowing what the audience is thinking about the film so how you've put the program together and things like that I think that makes it a lot better we've done a lot of uh, online programming mm. during lockdown mm-hmm. and during these you know, these months and whilst we've really enjoyed it because we've been able to reach like a w- uh, wider audience like people in you know like the states like have joined our events or from Spain or things like that but I guess yeah, that shared experience when you're typing online, it's just not the same. Like, even if we've been able to create that space and people were interacting, it's just not, just it's missing something. And I guess it's just like that contact, like physical contact, just speaking and going to the pub for a drink and just, you know, speaking about the film and like staying there for hours. And yeah, I think it just makes it a lot better. For maybe some, maybe a younger audience that might have tuned into this, in your experience as programmers, how do you keep your critical faculties? You know, in terms of you see so many films and you, you know, there's the pressure to have so many films to program, but also you've got your own quality control or your own idea of what you perceive your kind of shows to be. How do you maintain that kind of balance when, when you when you're sort of, because you've got to say no to stuff as well as be excited about stuff you like. I think one of the things uh, with some of our projects is when, uh, because we've had freedom to program what we want. And sometimes I guess when you're, um, a super established big festival, you have a line of programming that you can't really, you know, that's what you have to program because that's what people are expecting or that's what industry professionals are expecting and you have to keep that balance. Whilst um, I think it's mainly the online stuff that we've been doing, we've been have complete freedom to just program. Like, this might not be the best film, but I think it's really enjoyable. People, you know, would interact with it and then afterwards we can put on at the film. And I think like that freedom is what gives us like... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess like that freedom is what we enjoy about programming films because we don't need to like cater towards the industry and we're just focusing on our audiences. And I guess uh, that's how we keep the balance of uh, this is a good film, but it might not be for the audience because it might be, you know, breaking the program together. So we're going to choose this other film that is more entertaining. Um, and we just, yeah, think it works better in, in the programme. No, I think it's also um, allowing for personal taste mm-hmm. and knowing just because maybe I don't enjoy something doesn't mean it's a bad film. So, you know, I'll be able to look at something and say, this isn't for me, somebody else needs to watch it, you know, because I don't, I don't want to reject a film just because it's not personally my taste. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to have a balance within within the team for, for Last Frame and for Cheap Cuts, our other festival, we always make sure there are several people watching mm-hmm. the film with different tastes and different preferences. So so that you're, you know, you're always getting diversity. Yeah, and I guess we all have kind of like something to say. It's not just we have a group of volunteers, but then the ultimate decision comes to us. It's more like, okay, let's discuss about this. And also like watching it, as if you were the audience, like I think we like pick the film, put them in order. Okay, I'm going to sit down, watch them together. Does this work? Or, you know, like 
they're all great films, but they really don't work together. So it's just like, I guess, taking the time to see from an audience point of view and rather than a programmer, mm. sometimes taking off that that programmer's mind and putting yourself in the audience position, I guess. How can people find you to find out about other things you're doing and about your workshops and stuff? Where, where can people find more information about Last Frame Film Club? Probably the best is uh, social media. I mean, we, we obviously have a website, it's lastframeclub.com, but tend to be uh, Twitter mostly. Twitter, Instagram and, and Facebook, all just Last Frame Club. We have a newsletter as well, which we send out when we have something to say. We don't tend to just send, you know, we're not we're not spamming. Yeah, and I think through the website as well, we're always looking for new projects and collaborations and things like that. So if there's any like, local filmmakers or anyone that wants to do something together, we're always looking for new stuff to do. Brilliant. Well, look, I will put links in the show notes so people can find that easy enough. And it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast. Thank you very much, Stu. Thank you for having us. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you at, at the festival as well in real life. That's it for this episode of Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 podcast series. If you've got time, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Leighton Stone Loves Film is produced by The Barbican in partnership with local residents and organisations and is commissioned by the London Borough of Waltham Forest, supported by Arts Council England. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.